0: So I do another podcast called Ninja News Japan. So for Ninja News Japan, it's all Japanese news. It means I talk about news a lot and I learn about police and rules and laws and I find that very interesting. It's very interesting to see the differences of what is considered rule of law in other countries because it seems to me as a Westerner living in Japan that the Japanese police operate in the bit of a gray zone. Uh, They have some over arching, all-encompassing laws and rules that they seem to be able to apply to any situation as needed just so they can get sort of things done. But that, of course, opens it up for abuse. And this is a story I read about last week, and I, it, it's Ninja News Japan, but I kind of wanted to talk about it more in depth. So I didn't know if it was going to be 10 minutes or 20 minutes or, you know, 30 minutes. But I figured I'd do it as a separate episode. Right now in the U.K., About 10, 15 years ago, there were some British dudes came to Japan, they robbed a watch store and they escaped back to the UK. And it seemed like they weren't going to get caught. It was interesting that one member of the crew was underage when he was committing the crime, but now that it's been 10 years, he's an adult. So the question is, should he be tried as a child, which carries much lighter punishments in both the UK and Japan? Or should he be tried as an adult now that he's an adult? It's a very interesting conundrum, which may never come to pass. Because it turns out most countries do not have extradition treaties with Japan because of their consistent human rights violations of prisoners. Which is not the image most people have of Japan as a country, as a violator of human rights. But there was a story we did... Indian News Japan last week or the week before, and it was about coercion and it was some bullets had gone missing in a police station. The police then started to coerce one member of the police force. So one of their supposed brethren into confessing that he had stolen the bullets, which he had not stolen. Now the bullets went missing because of shoddy, you know, uh, security measures, shoddy bookkeeping, shoddy bookkeeping and, Dave was really offended by bad bookkeeping, shoddy bookkeeping and whatnot. But at the end of the day, they didn't find out or they didn't take the time to find out who actually took the bullets or stole the bullets or how the bullets were lost. They decided instead to just put this guy in a room seven to eight hours a day and just berate him and intimidate him, and tell him he was going to get fired, and all this other stuff, until he confessed. Now, after he did confess, and then he came forward to it with a lawyer and said this was forced, a coerced confession, and now he's suing the police force. So if that's how they're going to behave with one of their own, imagine how they would behave with someone who's just a regular citizen. Imagine how they would behave with a non-Japanese person who they don't consider as you know, part of society in the same way. And they may not actually view their human rights as being as important. So the UK is not going to extradite these criminals back to Japan to face trial. It actually turns out i learned about extradition. What usually happens. So I commit a crime in Japan. I go back to my home country. uh, I escape the Japanese police. What Japan or other countries generally ask you to do is just prosecute on their behalf and then, you know, punish them in your system. The UK is not doing that because like we don't have any proof, but we're absolutely not sending these people back because you might just stick them in a room for eight to 10 hours a day. You might just force them to confess to the point where you are now abusing their human rights. So that is setting up sort of the feeling of the story going forward. And it's the gray zone that I'm interested in because If you go to another country, it's important to remember that your laws, the laws you know, or the laws you learn, most of the law I learned growing up was from TV. And so most of it was American law because I was watching mostly American TV, which turns out American law is not universal. And something that Americans seem to forget is their laws don't go with them. So the stuff they've learned, probably incorrectly, by the way, from all the videos I've seen on the internet Americans do not know their own legal system very well. They have things they think that they've seen on TV that turn out to not be true. Uh, that doesn't go with you. You are subject to the laws in your own country. This comes up a lot when people go to Singapore and commit a crime and then they like, get beaten with a stick as punishment. They get put in prison for hundreds of years for what would be a petty criminal offense in another country. Uh, but we're not talking about Singapore. We're talking about a very specific thing they do in Japan. And one of the things they do in Japan is they have this thing. You can be arrested and they can hold you for 20 days as they investigate the thing they've arrested you for. Now, that doesn't mean you're charged. It doesn't mean you're guilty. It just means they're holding you pending an investigation. Now, this can happen for every charge they give you. So legally speaking, as a foreign resident of Japan, I have to carry with me my... My residence card, which is essentially a card that represents my visa, my permanent visa status in Japan. If I go outside without that card and the police stop me and they ask me to, to to see that card, which is perfectly legal, I have to produce it. If I don't produce it, I can be arrested, which means they could hold me for 20 days. In that 20 days, they're not contacting my family because I'm not under arrest. They're not contacting my work. So there's a very good chance I just don't show up for work for a month, and then I'm arrest- I-, I lose my job. Uh, if let's say the police officer went to take my card and I pushed him away because I was very, we we're having a very heated conversation. That's two or three charges because there's not having my residence card. Uh, no, so if I showed it to him, I must have it. So let's say I have it. He asked for it. I go to show it to him. He goes to take it from me, which is technically illegal in Japan. They're not allowed to take away your card. They can look at it. They can't touch it, but we get into a heated exchange and I just push him away fairly gently. Touching a police officer in Japan is uh, assault of a police officer. You are not allowed to touch them. It is also interfering with police business, which is a catch-all law that they have called interference, obstruction of business. Obstruction of business is used for anything they want to use it for. So you cause a kerfuffle in a restaurant. You can be arrested for the kerfuffle and obstruction of business. Uh, obstruction of business has be- become a joke on Ninja news, Japan, where I keep a counter because it happens almost every single week because they use almost every crime involves a business and in obstruction of police duties is just obstruction of business. So they're using that for anything you do. If I talk to a cop, if I argue with a cop, if I push a cop, if I tell a cop not to touch me that is obstruction of official duties. They can arrest me for that. Hold me for 20 days. I touched the cop. They can hold me for 20 days. But what they do is they release you. As you walk out the building, they're like, oh, come back in. We're arresting you again for the second charge. We're going to hold you for another 20 days. And during that 20 days I'm being held, again, I've lost my job. Other things have happened. What they're actually doing is coercing me to make a confession. And the original intent was to disrupt drug trafficking Sort of pathway. So I am a drug dealer. I'm in Japan. What they want to do is arrest me on six different things, take me off the street for five or six months. So I lose all my drug contacts, I lose all my customers, I can't sell drugs anymore. And that has disrupted my drug operation to such a degree, and they haven't even had to arrest me yet. So this is a legally gray way for them to hold me for an extended period. And the intent is acceptable. Like we want to disrupt the drug trade, but of course it's expanded and used as an abuse system so they can coerce people into confessing just so they don't have to spend another month in a holding cell. Again, you're not arrested. You're not under arrest. You're not being imprisoned. You're just being held while they conduct an investigation. The investigation being, we're going to harass you until you actually confess to what we want you to confess to. You've heard probably about the 99% conviction rate in Japan. Now, this is a bit of a misnomer. It's sort of true. And it's sort of true because, yes, any case that goes to court is probably already got a confession attached to it. So if you've already confessed, they're going to prosecute and win. If they can't get a confession, there's actually a very good chance they drop the case. The prosecuting attorneys drop the case. And the reason is, if it's not rock solid, they don't bring it to court, which is why it's 99%. So you hear about the 99% conviction rates. You don't hear about the dropped cases rate, which I'm sure probably then makes it about 50 or whatever the normal number would be. So there is a saying that if you get arrested in Japan, you're already guilty and you're going to jail because of this 99% conviction rate. But really, if you hold to your guns, you don't confess uh, they, There's a very good chance they actually drop the case. But the amount of pressure they put on you to confess through this policy of being able to hold you is terrifying because you're probably at some point just going to say whatever you need to say to get them to stop, even if it means you're going to go to jail. So here's a story uh, from a couple of weeks ago. There's a, a gentleman in, living in Japan, and he receives a package from the United States. He calls some friends in the United States and sends some text messages, and he says, hey, you guys send me something and they go no we didn't send you anything. He sends a message to some people he knows around Japan. He goes, I just received this weird package from the US. It seems like no one I know has sent it to me. It's important to know that this is a Chinese guy who lives in Japan. He's not Japanese and he has been critical of the Communist Party of China. And so his friends, his Chinese friends in Japan are like, this is a conspiracy. Don't open that box, just get rid of that box. Now, They said directly, if you open it, you'll get arrested. So this guy, he's like, uh, I mean, it can't be that bad. The box is just sitting there. I want to know what's in the box. He opens the box and it's a bunch of light fixtures. Uh, He puts them aside and goes, okay, that's weird. I didn't order light fixtures. I don't want light fixtures or maybe, you know, free light fixtures. Maybe I do want them and takes a look at his own lights and decides what he's going to do after that. Shortly thereafter, the police come to his house and make an arrest for drug trafficking. So what has actually happened is this box was tagged by the sniffing dogs at the airport. The police pull the box out. They start looking at it. They find that there are drugs in the light fixtures, drugs hidden in the light fixtures. They swap out those drugs for a very finely ground salt, so basically white powder. The idea is that they're going to replace the drugs, let it go to its destination, then arrest the drug trafficker who has gotten these drugs from overseas. So the intent is to let it go to its destination. This is called controlled delivery. And it's a technique they use, again, to disrupt drug trafficking in Japan. When he opens it, he has officially received the box. So the police cannot make an arrest until he opens that box. So the conspiracy of those Chinese people telling this guy not to open the box was 100% accurate. So this is sort of proof that not all conspiracies are false. And as crazy as it might sound, open that box and you'll get arrested. Turns out that's exactly what's going to happen because the police have let that box go to your, your house. I'm assuming they put something in it, like some kind of tracker or something to notify to them that the box has been opened. Thing is, I thought what would happen if I had a box arrive at my house, I would open the box right away. This is like the first thing I would do, just see what's in the box. And if it was light fixtures, I'd be like, I didn't order light fixtures. And then I might either try to find out how to return them or, uh, just throw them in the garbage or just keep them. I have no idea. But if a box was addressed to my house and it arrived, I would, I almost guarantee I would open that box. I think that's actually a really natural thing to do, but I am not part of a drug trafficking ring. So, if you want to get me in trouble, I shouldn't be telling you this. If you want to get me arrested, send me a box of drugs. And it's very likely I will open that box of drugs. And once that box of drugs is opened, I will be arrested and taken away and held and questioned. And as everything I let up in the last 10 minutes, all they're going to do is try to coerce me into confessing that I am actually part of a drug trafficking ring. It's an interesting sidebar. Do I think I can hold out? So, I'm very good at defying authority. I'm a very. I'm a very stubborn person. So part of me thinks like I've, I've been able to hold grudges for years. <laughs> I've been able to wait for years to get back at people for some minor slight, never in an explosive way, but I will get back at people who like have offended me in some way that they were not expecting. And that to me is the most satisfying part is doing it in a way that they're not expecting. So if an authority figure comes to me and says like, we're going to make you confess my instinct would be I will never confess and could I do it to the point where they drop the case could I make it so that they actually just go away I don't know because I've never been in a situation that that was real where it was that real and that serious and that's the bit I was I was thinking about because you know social situations uh friends and messing with each other that's actually entertainment Uh, I'm not saying it's a good way to live your life the problem is I have bad instincts I was telling a story to a friend yesterday. Uh, I used to do very competitive judo. And this guy beat me. And I was very complimentary to him. And I said, you know, you did a really good job. You beat me. I'm, I said, I'm going to have to up my game. And then he looked at me and he said, good luck. But it, was, it wasn't like, hey, good luck. You know, let's be rivals and challenge each other and raise our level like in a Japanese anime. It was like, good luck. You'll never beat me. You'll never be good enough. And that triggered me mentally. My brain just went off. So I got a friend who went to the same club as him to get his training tapes to me. So this is like one step away from corporate espionage. I don't know what you'd call it, but basically uh I got his training tapes and I made an Excel sheet of all the moves he practiced and how sort of successful he was. And so the moves that led up to it. And I basically tracked everything he did and I trained for the next couple of years to make sure that if I ever countered him again, I would beat him. Now it being weight classes, you meet the same people over and over again. I beat him in every encounter in practice because he do inter-club practices in practice and in real life for three years and he quit judo. That's how petty I can be when someone says, you're not going to be able to do this. Uh, I'm going to challenge you. Whereas I was being initially complimentary. I was like, you did a really good job. You won. I, I'm going to try to up my game and match you or, or or come after you. But again, we could have been friends because he looked down on me and tried to shit on me. I was like, well, now I'm going to take all the energy I have and put it into one goal. And that goal is to beat you at this thing. That's just a sidebar. Uh, so that makes me think if I was actually like had a cop and the cop is like coercing me and and, and trying to make my life as miserable as possible. I think internally I'd be like, I cannot let him beat me. I cannot let him break me. But is that actually possible is an interesting question. Hopefully I'll never know and I'll never find out. So in 2010, controlled delivery was used 32 times. From 2011 and afterwards, it became classified information because they didn't want people to know how often they were using controlled delivery, which implies to me that the number went up significantly. Every drug thing that got tagged by a dog that went through, they let it go through and they arrested that person. So we don't have the numbers, but numbers go up, arrests go up. So that makes police and police chiefs and whatnot very happy. Coercion to get a bigger fish is also part of it. Like they want to bring this guy in and arrest him and get who you're going to sell the drugs to, who did you get the drugs from, so they can like try to bring down the system. This is sort of how police work. And again, with criminals, it's a very sensible, smart thing to do, but criminals are supposed to have rights as are private citizens, which is who they're actually arresting in the story that I was, I'm actually talking about. So the Chinese dude pleads innocent. He says, I didn't do this. And he sticks to his guns and the ch- they drop the charges because he didn't do anything with the box. But what actually saved him were those text messages. So he sent those text messages to his friends in America saying like, Hey, did you send me something? And then he opened the box and it was full of light fixtures and he didn't do anything with it. He just pushed it aside and said like, I don't want light fixtures. The defense attorney said, this is not the behavior of a drug dealer, a drug dealer. The first thing they're going to do is open the box and check that their product is there. And then pull it out. Like, so, so it's hidden in the light fixtures. They're going to take it out of the light fixtures and then maybe start organizing it or getting Reddit for sale. Uh, they're going to make sure the volume is correct. All this kind of stuff that a drug dealer would do, this guy did not do. He sent text messages saying, did you send me something? This is weird. And then he opened the box and did not check for the drugs that were supposed to be in there. So he did not know about the drugs. This is what saved this Chinese guy's life. So they're wondering, of course, where did it come from? A lot of the people, the conspiracy theory people, who were partially correct at least, are saying what happened was this Chinese guy who's now living in Japan, who has sort of more freedom to express himself in Japan, was critical of the Chinese Communist Party on the internet. And so a member of the Chinese Communist Party arranged for drugs to be sent from America to this guy's house so that the controlled delivery would occur, so that he would get arrested. This is the worst case scenario. I guess the worst case scenario is actually like the box goes through and the guy just gets free drugs, becomes a drug dealer and makes extra money or the Chinese communist party. The worst case scenario is the guy actually pulls out the drugs by accident because he's like, Hey, there's something in here, pulls it out and looks at it. And then the police arrest him and they have proof that he actually went for the drugs first. So because he didn't inspect the packages, what kind of got him off So the worst case scenario for each group the Chinese communist party sends this guy drugs. He doesn't get arrested and he just gets free drugs. That's the worst case for them. Not a bad case for the Chinese guy. If he knows how to sell drugs. The Problem is if I receive drugs, I wouldn't actually know how to sell them and not get arrested. I bet I would. The first thing I would do is sell them to an undercover police officer. Cause I'm really bad at crime. I would need to do some training and practice first. So the burden of proof being on the prosecution in this case, if you're innocent until proven guilty, which is not really the case in most things in Japan, how do you prove that I opened a box intentionally? A box comes to my house. I'm curious about what's in the box. I open the box. You need to prove that I did that on purpose. The pulling out of the drugs is the first thing you need to do. The cops are always making assumptions. And I think these assumptions are kind of correct. If drugs are going to a house, you should assume that the person living in that house is receiving it on purpose. You should assume that he is a drug dealer, but you should also conduct a proper investigation, which is where this becomes the gray zone. Their assumptions, I would agree with, but their methodology of just making an initial arrest is incorrect. I think you need to wait. If you want again solid, he is a criminal, wait for him to get the drugs out and actually traffic the drugs, actually sell the drugs before you arrest him on drug trafficking. The drugs, while they sit in the box, are kind of Schrodinger's crime. until I do something with the drugs, there is no proof that I know the drugs are there. There is no proof that the drugs are part of a criminal empire, a part of a trafficking system. So the drugs represent the potential of a crime, not an actual crime. And as long as they sit in there, they are not a crime yet, which is, this is again, sort of the other part of the gray area of this law. You're setting someone up to do something very natural, which is open a box they've received and then arresting them for opening the box, which is a very natural action. The Japanese laws being sort of catch-alls makes prosecution a lot easier because obstruction of business, uh, being able to apply that to anything that interferes with business is pretty much everything. Like me walking into a store could be construed as interfering with business if I'm just a big, gross, smelly guy, which quite recently I am every now and then because it's so hot. Japan seems like a very safe country. Statistically, it is a very safe safe country. But the question that I had underlying this whole thing is, is it a safe country because of some of these dystopian, draconian undertone laws that occur in Japan that give the police this sort of overreach where they can sort of overcorrect things before they actually go too wrong? So much so that the United Kingdom will not extradite prisoners, probably guilty ones, to to Japan because they're too worried about their human rights being violated. The police created these systems, and the systems were created, and if you actually look at it logically, they do make sense, but they are set up in such a way that these systems can be abused, and so that you got to be really careful if you live in Japan and you don't know what's in the box, don't open the box.